Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. I am so grateful to be joining you today from the traditional, unceded, and ancestral territories of the Tecumlips Tishikwetmik people. Today, I am very thrilled to have my good friend, Joel Peterson, from Arbutus Search back on the show. It's a great way to cap off a milestone episode, episode 80. As you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, uh, Joel is a recruiter with exceptional talent, energy, and knowledge about the recruiting space. Today, I asked Joel to join me on the show to talk specifically about LinkedIn and to share with listeners how recruiters use LinkedIn and how you can leverage that knowledge to make the most out of this amazing platform for searching for a job, researching organizations, and promoting your own brand as a job candidate. I also get Joel to give us a little update on what he's seen in the labor market and specifically what he's seen when it comes to HR roles. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. Hey, Joel, thanks so much for being here today. It's great to see you again. Hi, Melanie. Good to see you too. How are things going? What's new at Arbutus Search? You know, it's it's an exciting time at Arbutus. We've uh, we've grown a little bit since I think you and I last talked on here. Um, excited to talk a little bit about the market and and see what you've been up to. And uh, yeah, I think you know there is a bit of talk of uh, slowdown in the market, but we're still seeing pockets of of hiring in different industries. And so I am quite optimistic about the future. Well, that's really good news to hear. And uh, I know that the people listening to this are going to want to hear what you have to say about the labor market. So certainly there's been, you know, a few articles have come out recently that the labor market's, I guess, cooling off a little bit. And, you know, uh, job seekers are going to be interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. So maybe you can share with us what you're seeing from a recruiter's perspective and and what job seekers can expect. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, I think there there is a lot of talk of the economy cooling a little bit. Um, and I think we definitely are seeing certain markets cooling. As you probably already know, living in the interior of BC, uh, the forestry market is down. And so okay. that's, you know, that might be one good example. But we're seeing a lot of other natural resources still very successful, um, still hiring, still booming, so to speak. There's a lot of infrastructure projects happening as well. So in municipalities, across different cities and towns across BC and beyond, there's lots of infrastructure projects um, happening. And then I think another thing worth uh, mentioning, and this, you know, you may have all also been getting some of these messages from, I think they're called CDAP, so Canadian Digital Adoption Program uh, Advisors. Uh, the government has uh, invested $4 billion in funding for organizations across the country to update uh, their digital 
kind of uh, assets, so to speak. And so there's a big influx of uh, funding coming there. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity. And, and I'm always, of course, thinking of this as we're chatting from an HR perspective, and I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. Um, but I think there is a lot of opportunity out there for organizations to transform digitally, you know, whatever it is that they're using in terms of technology. But yeah, I think, you know, that would lend itself to what I'm seeing in the market for HR positions. There are still a lot of HR roles uh, open out there. I'm seeing more postings every day. Um, And if you wanted to, we can talk a little bit about some of those stats if you're interested, but yeah. yeah, I'd love to I'd love to hear what what you have and and what you're seeing. I think you know it's interesting you say that about the the government funding for digital asset improvement and maybe one of the things you could talk about is what kind of roles you think support that sort of growth in an organization or change in an organization even if it's not related to HR. I know there are some people that listen to this podcast that aren't HR professionals as well, but yeah. it's just interesting for us as HR professionals because I think sometimes we feel like technology is not part of our job. And I think, you know, that has been changing for a long time, but it's becoming increasingly important for us to be aware of and, you know, sort of up to date on what is happening related to tech in organizations. Yeah, I, I think there are going to be a lot of roles, as you put it, uh, that are going to be outside of HR. But I think there will be a lot of HR, you know, tasks, if you will, things like talent acquisition, recruiting, um, onboarding, you know, different talented uh, professionals in these areas to help with these transformations. Right. Um, now, some of it could be just managing a, a candidate pool of contractors, uh, part-time temporary workers, or it could be full-time staff that they need to bring on to now manage this new digital platform that they adopt. So right. I think there is a lot of different roles uh, out there. You know, of course, I my brain always goes to talent acquisition side, but I think there will be opportunities for HR professionals to get involved in these transformations. You know, it could even be something where if you're in a smaller organization, you as the HR person take on some change management within the organization, helping people through this transition. I'm seeing a lot of companies adopt um, applicant tracking systems and implementing systems like Bamboo and, and other um, ATSs for talent acquisition, but also uh, as we did uh, in our previous life, an HR, a full HRIS system that includes the entire employee lifecycle. And they need you know, administrators, coordinators, and talented people to administer that whole system. And so, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of a lot of value there and, and a lot of opportunity too. I think there's also, you know, probably a shift happening and maybe you're seeing this already in the expectations of employers or that employers have of HR professionals to have this digital literacy, um, the ability to implement change management, I think is is huge, right? That's going to be a skill that HR professionals are going to have to embrace. And I think they'll be looked to in organizations to lead those kind of things, even if they're not a change management expert. But we often turn to HR professionals to take on that role. So I think I think that's probably going to be a big shift. 
I think you nailed it on the head. I agree a hundred percent. I think the pandemic really showed us just how resilient, uh, how mm-hmm. capable uh, HR professionals are and need to be. You know, when when everyone said on Friday that we're going to have a complete workforce move to remote based work by Monday. Uh, imagine the resources that they needed to tap into to make that happen safely, successfully. There were so many systems, so many changes. And I think, yeah, HR people have to wear many hats and uh, that change management, communications, it's all falling under that umbrella. So it's not just, you know, uh, the paper pushing or um, documentation. It's it's everything. So, yeah, it's exciting. Well, let's hear some of your stats. I'm so excited that you brought some. Yeah, yeah, nothing too elaborate, but I I just did a quick search. And as you probably already know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, There are other tools to use to, you know, validate information in the market. There's government data that gets reported on regularly, which is really good. But I think, you know, for me, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I know a lot of organizations post their jobs on LinkedIn. So I just did a quick, you know, kind of a, a look at, HR opportunities across Canada. Right now in human resources, um, under that umbrella, there's 2,500 jobs available across Canada. Wow. There's about 1,700 across BC. So that's a significant portion. Yeah, there's a lot of jobs in BC in HR. So I think that's really promising um, when you think of the ratio. And I should have done the math on that, but that's a high, high percentage. And then when we look at uh, HR coordinator roles, so probably more towards that entry level, um, early stages of their career, at least, it does drop quite a bit. It's 135 across Canada and only 34 in BC. Okay. Um, But I think, you know, there's still going to be opportunities that are out there for people to get, you know, some of these might not include talent acquisition, recruiting, other areas of HR that aren't labeled as you know, generically human resources. So if people are looking for opportunities, I always encourage them, you know, be creative with your searching and your, the titles that you're searching for, try and cast a really wide net. And then, you know, as you get a skill set that you're interested in, you can kind of narrow it from there. But yeah, I think those are pretty good numbers for what's out there in, in terms of opportunities in HR in BC in particular. Yeah, that's great. And of course, that's only what's on LinkedIn as well. So there could be, you know, more opportunities posted in other platforms. So that's great. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. So one of the things I wanted to uh, chat with you about today is LinkedIn. You know, I think there's a lot of maybe misconception by new graduates about how to build a good LinkedIn profile, how to use LinkedIn, and also how other people are using LinkedIn to access their profile, like recruiters like yourself. And so I thought it would probably be really helpful for a lot of listeners to hear your firsthand experience with explaining how you use LinkedIn and and what you're looking for when you go on there. I mean, you it's a tool that you use a lot for sourcing and so maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you use it and you know and what other people can expect when recruiters are maybe reaching out to them. Yeah, happy to share. I I think uh I've been using LinkedIn for about 16 years now wow. off and on as a recruiter. 
Uh, and then I used it before that as a sales rep looking for prospects. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I, you know, I think, um, and it's evolved a little bit, I guess I should say that, it, you know, what's really popular today can change and can shift, but, you know, it, it doesn't seem with LinkedIn that it's moved, the needle has moved too far. So recruiters still use LinkedIn as, you know, sort of a Boolean search. So they'll use a few keywords. They've got a couple of different, or I should say a couple, they've got several, maybe like 25 different operations uh, within that or sections that within that that they can, you know, search for. So they can search for your skill sets. If you've, if you've linked a certain keyword to your skills in on LinkedIn, you can, they can search for that. They can search for education that you might've gotten. Uh, the location where you are, where you're based, uh, where you're open to going. Um, even there's even a setting to say, I'm open to relocating to these towns. So that's oh, something I see. Knowing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we always, um, we always look at it like we've kind of got a hierarchy of things that we need to first kind of meet as, as basic requirements. And if you think about it from the job description, there's going to be hard, fast requirements in each job description that are what we call the bona fide requirements of the job. They're non-negotiables. And then there's going to be some nice to haves. And so I think, you know, if your listeners can think of it in the in that perspective, when they're setting up their LinkedIn profile, when they're targeting specific jobs, if they're seeing requirements that are hard, fast and, and not negotiable, they want to have those skills if they have them in their LinkedIn profile in the form of keywords throughout okay. their profile. Um, so I think that's the the biggest thing, but yeah, getting back to the recruiter who's you know spending time out there looking through LinkedIn using these keywords, there's, you know, kind of a keyword count that helps, you know, gives them a sense of, okay, this person mentions project management 10 times. And this person over here only mentions it once or doesn't mention it at all. I'm going to move away from that profile and stick with this one. So, you know, those are the types of things that kind of pique the interest of the recruiter and, and get them more focused on your profile. And I think from there, it's really about making sure you have lots of data that shows your skill set, your experience, and preferably things that are relevant to the job that you want to achieve. Um, but sometimes that's not possible. And so some of the things I was thinking about before we jumped on here is, you know, what, what do you do if you're, maybe you've worked a couple of part-time jobs going through school and now you've graduated with an HR degree and you're fresh and you're ready to go and you want to get that first HR job, but you don't actually have physical HR experience other yeah. than maybe a, maybe you have a co-op or maybe you don't, you know, and I think that's okay because you, you really want to just grab the projects you've done in school, get them on there, get them listed on your LinkedIn profile. If you've done something that's, you know, a really great achievement, if you had a great achievement in some of those projects uh, or programs that you've taken, get those in there too, and talk about the results of them, you right. know, talk about, you know, collaboration or a score that you got on a, an exam or a project or, you know, the, what was the outcome for it? And I think all of those things will really build a case and, and build a profile that a recruiter wants to investigate more and seeing those achievements will really help them uh, hone in on what you're capable of. And I, I think that'll be helpful. I love that. I, I talk a lot about people identifying what their accomplishments are over the course of their life, right? And thinking about how they could be relevant information to a potential employer. And I like what you said. I want to go back to this. You said 
you know, putting as much as you can in that profile. Can you put too much on your LinkedIn profile? Because I think, you know, part of the challenge is the perception that this is social media like other social media. So we're taught with social media, don't put very much information about yourself out here. And then it comes to LinkedIn and we're telling people to put lots of information on there. It's like taking this resume that usually I only share with, you know, one potential employer at a time and I'm putting it out there for the whole world to look at. And I wonder if sometimes that's what holds people back is just that that mindset that this is social media, I shouldn't share too much and some of this should be confidential or private in some way. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've, I've been asked this question a lot in regards to not only LinkedIn, but to a resume. And I, I hear, I constantly hear professionals at all levels, all ages saying your resume can't be more than, and they'll say one or two pages. And I ask them, how can you possibly fit 25 years of a career onto one or two pages. It's not possible if you're doing something, <laughs> if you're actually achieving, you know? So I say in this case, you know, it's going to be professional. It's going to be, a, you know, uh, publicly appropriate uh, to your employers. Get as much data as you can on there without convoluting and kind of being a distraction. I, I think there has to be value in the data that you're sharing. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of an analogy where if you were if you were going for a role in HR and you'd worked in, let's say, sales as an example, all you'd ever done was sales. Well, are there, you know, bits of information, are there key uh, successes and accomplishments that you had as a sales rep that would correlate to a job in HR? like maybe having a really organized database, doing really uh, professional follow-ups and check-ins regularly with customers to see how they're doing, talking about how successful uh, or satisfied they are with the product. Are some of those things relevant to an HR position? Absolutely. Yeah. But are there going to be other things, you know, operating a forklift as an example? Will that be relevant to your HR position? Maybe not. Maybe they don't need to know that you have that unless of course you know, it's an HR person in a warehouse. Okay. So that, that might be relevant. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't necessarily think you can have too much data, you know, use your best judgment. Um, but, you know, if there's transferable skills, that's really the key is, are there transfer transferable skills in what you've done? And if so, then yes, get that on the resume. And if it's, you know, three or four pages long and same with LinkedIn, if it's a good long scroll, that's okay. Because, more information gives the reader, the viewer, an ability to assess fit. The, the less information means they've got to do more work to either find it or even set up a call and, and you know, check in. And I think in, in this time when everyone is so busy with so much information coming from so many different areas, it's really best for you to just serve it up to them, make it as easy to digest and, and capture as easily as possible so that they don't have to go looking for it. I completely agree. And I have to say the one to two page resume is like my biggest pet peeve. I, I have seen people use columns and tables and 
funny formatting so they can cram all this information into two pages and you can't even read it. It yeah, just size it, eight font. Yeah. <laughs> it defies logic to me. Like the if you think about the purpose of it is to show somebody that you meet the minimum qualifications of the job. I always say your resume is supposed to get you the interview, not the job, just the interview. Yeah. Like we're just one yeah. step here, right? Show them that you minimally meet the requirements and there's something interesting about you that they want to talk to you about, right? So it doesn't have to give you everything, but you have to give them enough, right? And I know when I've recruited on LinkedIn, one of the biggest frustrations is, you know, you search for somebody and they, they're in your location, they have the right job title, and then you go to their LinkedIn profile and there is no information, yeah. And then exactly your point, then you're like, well, are they even on LinkedIn? Do I bother with an email or an in-mail? They don't have a profile picture and, and it's fine. I don't need to see what someone looks like, but I, it shows me that they actually created this profile and they're using LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just, I found that to be the most discouraging thing is not having any information on there. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah. yeah. Make it easy for the person to say yes to you as an applicant. That is exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. So let's talk a little bit about some of the specifics of the profile, things you might recommend. I know you recently did a post on LinkedIn about, you know, the various parts of a LinkedIn profile and, and some guidance on there. And uh, maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit. So how could somebody create a great LinkedIn profile? You mentioned keywords already. So that's that's yeah. really good. And I'd never thought of, you know, repeating things multiple times if it's important to the job. So that's fabulous advice. Yeah. And I always, again, I, I try and reiterate, like if you've done it in every job, make sure it's in every job description that you've had. It's okay to mention, you know, a skill set multiple times throughout different jobs because it reinforces that you've done this and been good at it. Right. Um, you know, and been hired for it multiple times if if you had a couple of jobs doing it. Yeah, I think if we think about the LinkedIn profile, maybe starting from the top, a good profile pick is great. You know, showing people that you're able to dress up professionally and show up to work um, yeah. in a respectable way is great. I do share probably your same concern to say that we don't want people judging uh, you know, a book by its cover or a a person by their picture, their photo, um, there can be bias and, and discrimination there. But I think the discrimination we wouldn't want to happen, especially would be where you have a photo of you at a party where you've cropped out a friend and it's yeah. an inappropriate photo for a professional profile. Let's reduce that, you know, potential barrier. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a good starting point. Another thing right at the top of the profile is your headline, getting a good headline that talks a little bit about who you are, or what you want to be digital adoption uh, advisor, you know, uh, successfully helping companies grow, you know, something like that, that's kind of aspirational, but gives them a snapshot of who you are. And then your summary, I think the summary can be a really helpful thing to talk about. You know, it's, it's a bit of a cover letter, a bit of a cover page where you're saying like, here's a bit about me, some of my achievements have been x and some of the work that I've done uh, successfully has been this and you know, kind of talking a little bit about that. And again, talking maybe even about some of the aspirations you might have uh, in your career. But I think it's a great place to give them a quick summary, quick overview of what you've done. And again, if you can get some stats in there or some some major accomplishments, 
you know, you could do a paragraph style for the first half of it. And then a few bullets of successful projects completed after that. I think that's a really great place to, to start. That's great advice. I have a question about headlines because I think yeah. headlines are tricky for people. If you know, and I always encourage people go look at headlines of other people to get a sense of what other people are doing. Like I would look at recruiters headlines because they're the ones that are reading them, right? If that's the the purpose that we're using LinkedIn for is for someone to find us. But is it the place for you to say that you're looking for a specific type of job? Or is it the place to say, here's who I am today? You You mentioned something aspirational. So I mean, I find it difficult for me because I'm in a different place in my career so there isn't that same pressure to get the the wording just right. But I know when I was yeah. recruiting, sometimes headlines didn't really match with what people seem to be looking for, or even what they were doing. So what's your advice yeah. on how to figure that out? Yeah, I, I think it's really simple. I think if you are, you know, and again, I'll, I'll go back to, a, let's say you're an HR business partner. And you want to remain an HR business partner, then HR business partner should be in your headline. Okay. And then you could add in something aspirational to the effect of that. And it might be, you know, uh, getting my project management uh, certification through the PMI, you know, or could be uh, trained in project management or change management. Okay. So it might be a, a bit of, you know, current, like what am I currently doing? What is my current job title? or area of focus and what am I working on in addition to that? Or it could actually be something you're passionate about. The aspirational piece, I think, would apply to someone who's looking for a job in a specific area, but they're not there yet. So they're graduating and, you know, it might say something along the lines of, you know, young, energetic, aspiring HR professional or uh, aspiring CPHR, you know, something along that line where, you're not there yet, but you want to let people know where you want to go so that you can get there. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I was thinking about that with, you know, I always encourage students, even at this early stage, to niche down a little bit because going too broad tends to just be a recipe and frustration. So I spend a lot of time talking about, you know, how to get to know themselves really well so that they can narrow down and not do so without a lot of fear. And I see that as a place where you can put, you know, if you really want to work in the EDID space, you could put something in there, even if you're not there yet, but that, you know, you have a deep passion for uh, decolonizing workplaces, or you have a deep passion for talent acquisition, or, you know, whatever it is, helping organizations find and retain the best talent. whatever sort of thing, right? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I'm hoping we'll see some updated uh, headlines after this. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Because like I said, it can be tricky. And if you go and there's such a variety out there from different people that it's sort of hard to figure out what what to put that's going to be the best. So then let's go down to, I'm just thinking of the LinkedIn profiles. So we've talked about, you know, your experience and your education should really kind of mirror your resume. Yep. How how valuable are 
the skills section where people can, I don't even know what the word is, where they can identify you as having yeah. skills in certain areas and also recommendations. Can you talk about those two areas a little bit? Yeah. Yes. I'll start with skills. I think, I think skills are relevant. I think you are giving yourself an opportunity to be captured in that search, uh, in that search string by the recruiter. If you have those skills selected, if you don't have anything selected, you're not, it's really as simple as that. Uh, does every recruiter out there use it? I don't think so. I think, you know, there's going to be some that probably just don't want to spend the time adding that to their search string. Like they'd love to just do a, a big generic keyword search and see what comes back. Okay. Um, but I always train my recruiters to use every little avenue and every little Boolean operator or um, uh, search field that they can to narrow it down so that you get less uh, generic stuff and more specific stuff that you really want to see. And, you know, one thing, one example might be we were looking for uh, a design engineer that uses AutoCAD and there's one very specific software out there in Canada that isn't that popular. And we, we plugged it into that skills section and we actually found a number of people that use that software specifically wow. and had a bunch of great conversations. Wow. And had we not done that, the, the software itself was kind of blended in with all these other terms because it looks kind of generic but the skills section was what brought it out and uh, and helped us find some of those design engineers. So it does work. Um, I think it is valuable to add skills to that that section. You know, it, it won't do any harm. That's for sure. Take the extra few minutes yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah, I I like seeing it. I think it's helpful. And you know, another thing um, to your point about transferable skills, like somebody might have experience or skills, and you mentioned project management, and I mean, and you mentioned, I don't know why my Microsoft Teams is suddenly going crazy, even though I closed. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Um, it's for the blooper reel. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you mentioned the software implementation. And so a lot of HR professionals have to manage projects and, yeah. and especially the further you advance in HR roles or into specialties, the more project work there tends to be. And so if you have project management experience in another field, I think about a lot of my students come uh, to study with us with degrees in other fields, computer science or accounting or mm. finance. And lots of times they have project management experience. And I always tell them you have to put that on there because there's so much project work that happens in HR. That's a right. great opportunity in a place where you can put that, that it might come up. If you're yeah. looking for an HR coordinator to help manage a software implementation, then chances are somebody's gonna look for that. Okay. Great advice. Yeah. Talk to me about recommendations. I get asked to do a ton of them. I do my best, but are they valuable? You know, I will say maybe. <laughs> I, I'm a little <laughs> bit on that. the fence. I think yeah. they 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 were early in my career. No one has asked me about my recommendations for years. Right. Uh, I check them from time to time. And I would say it's very rare, like it's probably 10% of the time, but I would say, you know, it's one of those things again, where it can't hurt. 
you know, the more people you have recommending you, that's an impressive thing, right? It's almost like references are done and completed and set up there ready for anyone to read uh, before you even, you know, before they even uh, have to make a phone call or send an email or reach out to you. So I think there is likely a lot of value there. And there's going to be recruiters who say, I'm going straight to the to the referrals or references to to just see, you know, or recommendations, sorry, um, to see who, who's recommended them. Um, okay. And if there aren't any, that's a question mark. So, okay. you know, I would default to the side of saying, yes, it's, it's a positive thing um, and not unlike the skills. If it's not in there, people just don't know. They're not sure. And they, if they have to guess and go look for looking for data, you know, will they have the time or the uh, the ability to go find it? So I would say, yes, use them. Uh, but, uh, you know, jury might be out in terms of just how relevant they are these days and how many people are using them. I'm, I'm not sure of that stat. I appreciate that. Thank you. I I wondered sometimes about, you know, I've done recommendations for students. All I can really speak about is how they did in the class. And if they were a standout student, I might say something like they, you know, they led a great group project or they took on, I do a couple like role plays and simulations and labor relations that require people to do a little bit of acting and, you know, role play in front of the class and there's lots of prep and it's very intense. And so, you know, if those students ask me, I talk about that. They volunteered, they took on this role and that sort of thing. But beyond that, you know, I can't say what they got in the class in terms of, a grade, you know, and if they've taken a few classes with me, it makes more sense because I can say, well, they took three classes with me. That's more meaningful, you know, in a sense. But then when I look at their recommendations a lot of times, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but it's just littered with other people they went to school with. And so if I was an employer, one or two of those that shows you got along with people and you've got a prof or two that says, you came to class and you met the requirements for the course and, you know, or maybe did something exceptional. But beyond that, I would probably want to see coworkers, even if it's not in an HR job or a, another professional job, but even in your part-time job, your coworkers, your supervisor. And I think there's a bit of a missed opportunity there because students go to the people that it's easy to get recommendations with. And in a sense, I think they're thinking quantity, not quality. Yeah. Does that make sense? And I just, I've, I've often wondered about that and I'm. You make a great point and actually got me thinking about something that I haven't actually thought about in terms of, of those, of that area on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think of a, the analogy I'll give is like an employer hiring the popular kid versus, you know, the smartest, hardest working, uh, you know, new grad. So yeah, I, I would say if they're getting great recommendations from, to your point, profs or, you know, supervisors from their co-ops, even if they had a manager in a part-time job, those are all the recommendations that will hold the most value. Um, And yeah, I'd I'd agree, fully agree with you. Yeah. I think uh, provide some more direct advice on that, but I just, I wasn't really sure how valuable they might be because they do take a bit of time for someone to do, especially if you you know, aren't working alongside someone. I think it's maybe it's a little bit trickier for me as a prof because I have sometimes 120 students, you know, a semester. So you're 
or more. So you're kind of trying to remember people and you have to go look yep. things up. But if it was a coworker or a supervisor, I mean, it shouldn't be hard for them to write a couple sentences about how great you were to work with. And I think that goes yep. a long way. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you think we need to know about LinkedIn? You know, I, I think I mentioned it before, but maybe to reiterate that I think your LinkedIn profile really can mirror your resume. And if you're building one, you've got content for the other. You know, again, getting those accomplishments uh, into your LinkedIn profile. And I think, you know, when you think about a resume, typically you've got a, you know, kind of a job title, the company you worked for, the time you were there. And then you've got bullets. Most people do bullet uh, style, uh, you know, accomplishments, achievements, you know, kind of duties, things like that. Get those on your LinkedIn profile too, to show people and give them a flavor of what a day might've looked like for you in that role. You don't want to lean too heavily on the duties side because you really want to show accomplishments and achievements, what some of the outcomes were, but a bit of both doesn't hurt. Yeah. And I think, you know, this might be another kind of a simple one or a no brainer for young people these days, but just tagging the actual company in the, the company name when you're writing it into LinkedIn, I noticed that some people will just write the company name and then go to the next line. They don't actually you know, wait for that drop down to happen and then tag the actual company mm-hmm. in it. So they're almost, you know, in some cases there's opportunities for spelling errors or for it to look like the company you worked at isn't actually on LinkedIn. And something that I do as a recruiter, and this might be something good for people to know is when you're searching for a person that you're looking for, you know, in a certain skill set, you're, that recruiter will see company names that they've never heard of before. Okay. And so the reason that tagging that company specifically in your LinkedIn profile is so important is that I can then click on that link and go and see what they do. And then I can know, yes, this company is in the industry that I'm looking for a person in. They've done the job title in the industry that I'm looking for a person in. And this is relevant experience versus the next person that I don't know what that company does. I might have to do a couple extra steps to go and find the website and get the context or content that I need, or I might not do that. I might just go to the next candidate and start looking at their profile because I really don't know where that person worked or what industry it was. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's one very subtle thing, but uh, I think is, is relevant. I think that's huge. Again, it goes back to the make it easy for them to say yes to you yeah. principle, right? Yeah. And and I'd never thought about before about the fact that it's also a good spell check because you might remember the company, well, it was, you know, whatever, and then you get the names reversed and yeah, we have these yeah. cognitive gaps the further away from something we get. That's my nice way of saying, as I get older, I forget more things. And apparently yeah. forgetting nouns is like a big part of it. So there you go. It's, you uh, go. It nice. wouldn't be uh, unusual for someone to mess up the name. So that's that's really good advice. Um, I think that's good. Excellent. I think, I think you just made one of the most important points at the very end is spell check everything. Yeah, uh, it's it seems like a no brainer. It's it's very simple. Every time I type something anywhere on my uh, Windows based PC, there's red lines all over the place. Make sure whatever you're creating your resume or your LinkedIn profile in 
has that turned on so that there's no spelling mistakes or gram- grammatical errors, really. Hiring managers, hiring teams still look at that as, you know, do they have an attention to detail? Um, and it's critical. So, yeah. That's important. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I always think that's a big thing. Although I do find sometimes with some of the technology in some of these systems, it's like overkill on the grammar in some ways. And it depends what settings you have on too, whether yeah. you're, you know, it's American English or British English or whatever. Yeah. And there's this whole thing with the commas and anyway, it can be a bit to sort it out, but at the very least you can spell things properly and have good sentence structure and you're probably. So Joel, I'm mindful of your time today and really appreciate you going through all of this with us. And I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of listeners as they, uh, you know, are looking for HR jobs, understanding where the market is, and also, you know, having a really dialed in LinkedIn profile is hugely important if recruiters like yourself are using it in that way. So it's great guidance. Um, If people want to follow you or get in touch with you, can you give us a reminder and I'll put some links in the show notes as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you asked that. I, I think i um, happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Um, you can just find me there, Joel Peterson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Arbutus Search Group. Uh, we've got a company page as well. You can follow that. Um, and then we've got a team of recruiters. You can follow them as well just to stay connected with job postings that we put up and, and content that we put up. And uh, if you wanted to check out our website, it's www.herbutussearch.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's always nice to chat about these things and uh, really grateful for your time and your energy and your expertise. It's helpful. Thank you. Well, well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Melanie. And I, I do have to say every time we chat, I learn something new myself. So that's good. great to connect. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Joel. Thank you.